Yo, today's QOD is we need to be unfwithable. Here we go. Welcome back to the Quote of the Day show. I'm your host, Sean Croxton of SeanCroxton.com. We've got Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, on the show today. And he's going to talk about becoming unfwithable. There's lots of language in this one, by the way. So, you know, might want to cover the kids' ears or something. But unfwithable, what does that mean? You know, I think I've told you about this before, but I'll do it again. Back when I started making videos on YouTube, like in 2007, I uh, probably did consistent YouTube videos for about four or five years, but maybe it was like year number two or three. I could not handle the negative comments. Like I couldn't. It's just, it just, it, there would be like 99 positive comments. Yay, Sean, that was awesome. We love you, man. But there was always that one or two or three people, right, who had to say something negative and it would just eat away at me all day long. I could not handle the criticism to the point where, you know, I had, I don't know, 50, 60,000 subscribers at the time, maybe less, maybe more. I can't remember, but I shut down my YouTube account. It was like, it was like gone. I just didn't want to deal with it anymore. And, um, it felt good for a minute, but after about a day or so, I was like, nah, that was not a good idea. And it reminds me of this uh, concept. I think his name is Nassim Taleb, he's got a book called Anti-Fragility. And his idea, his concept is that human beings are, you know, wired to be anti-fragile. What is anti-fragile? It's the opposite of fragility, right? Of being fragile. So in other words, what makes us less fragile, what thickens up our skin is going through it is going through the challenges and the criticisms that are going to come our way when we're on our journeys. But most people, when they get those negative comments, the criticism, they'll stop and they'll remain in that state of fragility. But it is up to you to just to continue to go out there and go out there and go out there and to take the criticism. And, you know, for me at that time, I was very fragile, but I will tell you that over the years, and by the way, I, re-uploaded all my videos to YouTube and, you know, got that whole thing going again. Of course, I came to my senses. But over the years of being online for what? Sheesh, I'm getting old. 14 years is I've gotten thick skin. Like comments don't bother me. As a matter of fact, and thank you so much for all of the reviews that you posted. Really, really cool. I've been reading them. Phenomenal. I really appreciate it. Um, but there was a couple of reviews, like two or three people complaining about ads and the difference between me now and me back then is that those complaints would have just crushed me back in the day. But this time I just kind of looked at him and kind of smiled. And I was like, come on now, it's 90 seconds of ads. Like, seriously, I just moved on with my day. Right. And so that's what we need to become more of is more anti-fragile, more unfwillable. We got to keep we got to stop letting people keep us from doing what we want to do because of what they're going to say about us. 
So that's the message for today. Kind of stepping on vision a little bit here, but there's something I want to say. And vision's coming up in 60 seconds. So ability is basically this. Extraordinary minds do not need to seek validation from outside opinions or through the attainment of goals. Instead, they are truly at peace with themselves and the world around them. They live fearlessly, immune to criticism or praise and fueled by their own inner happiness and self-love. That's what unfuckwithability is. That is law number nine in my book. Now, the reason we need to be unfuckwithable is because without this ability, we don't have the skills, the invincibility, the power to go out there and truly pursue life-transforming goals. If we care what other people think of us, good or bad, we limit our abilities. We fear, for example, I did not write my book for many years because I feared what people would think. What if the book sucks? Oh my God, if the book sucks, would people really like continue buying Mind Valley products? I did not get on stage for many, many, many years because I thought, well, you know, what if nobody claps? I remember in college, I never asked a girl I liked out for many, many, many years because I was afraid of rejection. Heck, it took me two years to ask my wife out because I was afraid of rejection. And so all of us go through this. This is what causes us to want to dress up in a certain way, to get that six pack because it, you know, apparently it means something, to, to buy certain cars or, or, or things or vehicles just so we can compensate for whatever we might find lacking. But the problem with this type of attitude is that the fear limits us. It limits us from really doing epic things because to do something big, you got to be prepared for rejection. You got to be prepared for failure. And the bravest people in the world are able to do the incredible things they do because these things do not represent them. The attainment of the goal, the accomplishment, the object, the man or the woman, are just nice-to-haves, but they say nothing about who you are. Now, we'll come more to that in a bit, but what I found over the years is that there are three ways to get to the state of unfuckwithable, to get to the state where, you know, when someone compliments you, you're good with that, but you don't need that compliment. If you give a speech and nobody gives you a standing ovation, you're cool with that. You know it's not you. It's maybe the speech, or it's something you said, or maybe it's, it's the method that you use, and you're like, okay, great. I can hack that method. I can improve this way. I can rethink how I give a speech. But it's not you. Too many people make it about themselves. And this is what causes the limitation in how they grow. But just like you are immune to praise, you become immune to criticism. When you write a book, you will see a lot of stupid things people will say about your book on Amazon, right? But because I'm immune to criticism, I was able to write the book I wanted. My book will piss you off if you are highly into religion. My book will piss you off if you're a Trump supporter. And these people say really negative things about me. The latest I got is that I'm the Antichrist. Um, but I'm okay with that. So right up in the introduction of my book, I say, look, guys, I'm gonna let you know right now, you're gonna love this book or hate this book. Very few are gonna be in the middle because I didn't write this book to be, to make, to generate apathy. We do not grow from apathy. We grow from inspiration or we grow from being uncomfortable. So love it or hate it, totally up to you. But this is what I have to say. And when you can, thank you. And when you can have this attitude, that's when you really get to make a dent in the universe. So the three methods to being unfuckwithable. The first method came to me in a very interesting way. So sometime last year, I experienced one of the most 
awful experiences in my life. I found out that a guy I'd hired in my office in Malaysia, where we have about 140 staff, had been stealing money. Worse, he was a trusted person who was in charge of our operations. He was there to make sure that our employees had proper housing, you know, that air, con air conditioning was running, that the uh, massive office in there, 15,000 square feet, was running well. But we caught him actually pilfering money. He had created a series of fake companies under his own names or relative's name, and he was playing, paying his own air conditioner repairman, paying his own cleaners. And he had, in the end, he had pocketed $100,000 for himself, right? So it was an awful thing. And when we finally caught him, there were threats, threats that he was gonna have gangsters follow up, follow me in my car on the way home. Um, he sent, he, he started disrupting our, our work, sending the fire engine over, saying that our office was a, was a fire trap. All of this shit started happening. It was a really, really, really stressful time. But sometimes the world or the universe or God or whatever you want to call it gives you these moments of stress so you can rise above them. You know, Michael Beckwith calls these Kensho moments. Kensho moments are moments where you grow from pain. Something happens. Maybe your health breaks down and you end up in hospital, but you grow from that and you learn to appreciate your body. I was about to have a Kensho moment and that Kensho moment happened coincidentally. This dude, Dave Asprey, and his friend, JJ Virgin, invited me to experience a new type of biohacking model that Dave, had, Dave was promoting called 40 Years of Zen. So I went to this thing, and what they promised was this. What they promised is that you're going to meditate for five days in the chamber. You're going to have your brain hooked up to all of these machines. And the scientists who developed this had found how to reverse engineer, get this, the brainwave states of monks who had been meditating for 40 years. So they looked at monks, psychics, billionaires, and they're like, these are what are in their brains. And they reversed engineer that so that you can hook up your brain. And in five days, you can develop the brainwave activity of a monk who has been meditating for 20 to 40 years. So it's a bit incredulous, but I thought, wow, well, with a promise like that, let's try it anyway. Now I went there. And as I went into the chamber with my brain hooked up, Dave was there too, JJ was there, Joe Polish, some of you guys might know him, was there, as well as like billionaires, a Hollywood actor, it was a very elite group. They finally shared with us the secret. What were we supposed to do when our brains were hooked up? Now it turned out it wasn't going into an astral projection or lucid dreaming or going into deep states of meditation. Turned out the, one of the biggest things these scientists found to get your brain to function like the brains of monks who have been meditating for 20 years. And by the way, that, that's what the hookup looks like, was this one thing, radical forgiveness. And so I had to forgive everything. I had to forgive, like, I mean, I love my kids. I had to forgive my kids for little moments in the past where they irritated me while I was trying to work. Had to forgive my mom and dad for like the slightest thing. I had to forgive every friend I knew. I had to forgive people who had genuinely hurt me. I had to forgive everyone. I had to forgive myself, younger versions of myself. I had to forgive myself from 10 years ago when I made a bad business decision that cost me $3 million. I had to forgive and forgive and forgive. And this was four days of forgiveness. And finally, I came to that one guy. Let's call him Mr. X, that one guy. This had just happened. And I was so angry with him. It was so painful. And I had to forgive him. And I saved him for last. Because I'm like, no, it's going to be so tough. This guy threatened my family. He stole from my company. He was someone who used my trust of him to take advantage of me. And I had to forgive him into love. Now, here's the thing. It's not just forgiveness. It was forgiveness into love. That means at the end of that forgiveness session, 
You must be able to picture this person who hurt you so bad coming to you, and you must be able to hug them and feel empathy and understanding for what they went through. And so I had to forgive Mr. X. I had to see why did he do what he did. Maybe his parents were poor, and maybe theft was the only way his family could survive. Maybe his wife was sick. Maybe he was ill. Maybe he had an ill child, and that's why he needed that. Maybe he was abused as a kid, and I had to imagine all the ways, just why he would justify what he did, and I have to, had to be empathetic to him. But here's the crazy thing: when your brain is hooked up like that, it's measuring your brain waves. It's measuring two things basically: alpha amplitude. So the higher your alpha spikes, the more, the more monk-like your brain is, and brainwave resonance. So the more balanced your brain, that means you're not alpha on just one end; you're alpha in both hemispheres. Again, the more ideal your brain, and all of a sudden, as I forgive Mr. X, I heard the loudest beep so far. They use sounds to tell you how well you're doing. I opened my eyes, and there was my score, and it was the highest alpha amplitude score I'd ever generated. It was amazing to see with my own eyes what forgiveness could do in my brain, and that was liberating for me. Now, the next year, as I got rid of all of my doubts, all of my forgiveness, the next year. Ended up being the single most successful year of my life, and my my life had always been successful, always growing like that. But the next year, it's it spiked. I had the book come out. This is the most successful AFS we've ever done. Mind Valley just exploded. My my health, my happiness levels, everything just spiked because I was able to shed forty years of pain, of of things I had to forgive myself and other people around me for, and that's why forgiveness is so important. That was Vishen Lakiani. His website is mindvalley.com. You can watch today's talk. There's a there's a whole lot left. He's about to get into the process with the people and stuff. Come on stage. You can go through it as well. But it is called Three Ways to Be Unfwithable. I'm watching my language today. Vision Lakiani. All right, my friend, please leave a rating or a review for the show on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and all the other platforms out there. I appreciate it, even if it's negative, because it's not going to bother me at all. Appreciate it. I will see you tomorrow. I'm out. Peace. Peace.